Welcome to Living Word. You're about to hear a life-changing teaching designed to challenge you to discover your mission in life, develop your potential, and deploy your talents and skills for a more fulfilling life. Now, prepare to receive the ministry of Dr. Mensa Otterville, Senior Pastor of the International Central Gospel Church. I'm continuing my message which I started last week titled, Jericho is falling. Jericho is falling. It's not going to fall. It has fallen. It may not fall. It is falling. It is not trying to fall. It is falling. Jericho is falling. God assures us that this year is a breakthrough year. And where you have struggled, you are about to have a breakthrough. Where you have stagnated, you are about to have a breakthrough. Where you have faced resistance, you are about to have a breakthrough. Where you have been frustrated, you are about to have a breakthrough. And God has taken us to the place of the breakthrough. I said last week that Jericho is the place of fragrance. The word Jericho or the name Jericho means the place of fragrance, the place of good things, the place where things smell good. But Jericho was denied the people of God because it was sighted on the land that God promised to Abraham. Jericho was the gateway to the rest of the promised land. If the children of Israel could take Jericho, then they could take the rest of the promised land. But Jericho was in the way. It was sitting in their promised land. Jericho was a fortified and well-defended city. And Jericho offered neither access nor exit. The Bible says it was shut. You couldn't go out and you couldn't come in. And so although there were good things in it, for those who were outside, they couldn't go to participate. For those who were inside, they couldn't bring it out to share. And that was the challenge that the children of Israel faced as they came upon the city which was walled. The walls of Jericho were two. There were two lines of walls. The outer wall and the inner wall. And so when the walls fell, it wasn't just going to be one wall falling the other had to fall. Both had to go down at the same time. The challenge was, could Israel enter into this city that had been closed out to them? In the morning of the fight of the battle of Jericho, an angel appears to Joshua with a sword drawn. Joshua, terrified by the sight of the angel, inquires of the angel whose side he was. The angel replied with a statement of fact that he had been sent as a person from the Lord of hosts. He was on God's side. In other words, if you are on God's side, I'm on your side. If you are not on God's side, I'm not on your side. The angel gives instruction by the word of the Lord to Joshua to take off his sandals because the land he was standing on was holy ground. 
And then he's giving further instruction as to how to deal with the problem of Jericho. That the children of Israel were going to go in there and he gave them strict instructions as to how to take the city. Today we are continuing our reading from chapter 6 of the book of Joshua. And I will read from verse number 8 to 20. Joshua chapter 6 verse 8 to verse number 20. Joshua chapter 6 from verse 8 to verse number 20. You can turn to it. Joshua is after the book of Deuteronomy. It's the sixth book of the Bible. Joshua chapter 6 verse 8 to 20. It's quite a long passage, but I'm going to read all of it because it's important for us to get the context within which the story is taking place. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets verse 14 the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp so they did six days but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early and marched around the city seven times in the same manner on that day only they marched around the city seven times and the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you... By all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed. 
when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. You shall come into the they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpet. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Wow. One of the things you would note about this passage as you read it is strict instructions. There is a painstaking effort, even by the record in the account, to deliberately, clearly, in detail, set out the process. And so you see a lot of repetition of instruction. Why? Because they had to follow the instruction clearly and explicitly. It was not just going to come by haphazard behavior. It was not going to happen by just presumptuous behavior or doing what they felt like doing. The whole camp had to be aware that this battle was going to be won only if they obeyed instruction. The instructions were peculiar because they were not general warfare instruction. Obviously, this battle was not going to be won because of the military might of Israel, but it was going to be won because divine assistance was going to be made available to them. And for that to happen, they had to obey instructions. Everybody say instructions. Instructions are very critical to any breakthrough effort. You don't achieve a breakthrough by presumptuous action, by uh, acting on just what you feel, by just doing what comes into your head, you have a breakthrough by following instructions. And as I said last week, there was a six to one instruction. Six days, you will march once a day. And there were clear instructions as to how the march was supposed to be, but the predominant thing was that for the first six days, they were not supposed to utter a word. It's interesting how the Bible uh, puts it. It says you will not have to shout. He said you're not supposed to make a noise. And he said no word should proceed out of your mouth. Three things. You, you, if somebody was giving instruction, you, you just have said, be quiet. But God is clear. Don't shout. Because normally when you shout, it means you are getting ready for battle or you're making a declaration a cry of war to battle he says don't do that don't give any notice that you're going to fight secondly don't make any noise don't celebrate 
don't go and, and, and just be rejoicing. Hey, 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 we're going to win. And he says, don't let any word proceed out of your mouth. So can you imagine the people are marching, the army is marching, the priests are marching, the horn of the priest is blowing, but nobody is shouting. Nobody is making a noise. You can't even do... <clears throat> That's noise. You can't clear your throat. And you can't even tell your friend, Chale, how do you feel? No word should proceed out of your mouth. You are marching in discipline. I can tell you it's tough. Because if you are supposed to march in discipline, most of us can't do that. Because many of us cannot handle quietness. It is a human sickness, but it's particularly an African and more specifically a Ghanaian sickness. We can't handle quietness. It's one of the lessons I wish this church would learn. Be able to handle quietness. There's a time to shout and there's a time to be quiet. No word should proceed out of your mouth. Don't make noise and don't shout. Three things. So the people go for six days under discipline. No word proceeding out of the mouth. No noise. No shout. Then he says, only on one day are you going to have liberty to shout. It's what I call the six to one strategy. A breakthrough occurs when we follow that principle. There are a few things I want you to note in the passage. The first is the equipment that they were taking into battle. The equipment. The tools of this battle. What were they going to use to fight? How were they going to fight this? And what tools, what equipment were they going to use? Use two major equipments. The first one is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant speaks of God's presence and God's power. It means that for them to get into this battle, although they had sword and spear, there is no mention of sword and spear in the account. There is no mention. There is no mention of a shield. There's no mention of any regular military weapon of war. No mention. In other battles, they are mentioned. In this battle, they are not mentioned. In other words, they were inconsequential. The major weapon was the ark of the presence of the Lord. The power and presence of God. The second weapon were trumpets. Trumpets. The trumpets were for proclamation and for praise. So they were going to use the presence of God, the power of God, a faith proclamation and praise to God. These were what they were going to use as equipment in battle. In ancient Israel, there were two kinds of trumpets. There is this trumpet, which is the ram's horn, the shofar, 
which was normally used by the priest, and it was used more in the priestly sacrifices in religious services. And then they had the steel trumpet, which was used in battle. So when they were getting into battle, they could blow that pa 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 pa. Everybody gets into battle formation. In this battle, it was not a steel trumpet, it was a ram's horn. So although they were going to blow a trumpet, it was more a spiritual declaration, more than a military declaration. So they were using the Ark of the Covenant and trumpet as their equipment. What kind of people were going to be involved in this war? Two kinds of people. The first were the priests. The priests were anointed for spiritual warfare. The weapon of the priest was the ram's horn. So the priests were not carrying swords. They were carrying the ram's horn or the trumpet. And it sounded as they moved on. But not only that, the priests also carried the Ark of the Covenant. So they were the, really the people carrying the main weapons for this warfare. The second group of people were what the Bible called the armed men. People who were equipped for physical warfare. They had been trained. They had been armed. They carried swords. They carried arrows. They carried spears. They carried shields. But their weapons were not mentioned. Only the weapons of the priests were mentioned. I'm saying that for you to understand that God was trying to give them a, de a definition as to how this battle will be waged. It was not going to be a physical warfare. It's going to be first a spiritual warfare. And then the armed men will go after the spirit had moved. The soldiers were at the command of the priests. The military were taking instruction from the priests. Which is not normal because military must take instruction from a military leader. But they had to wait for the priests to sound their trumpet before they physically moved into this warfare. It's very important. Because when we talk about a breakthrough, we have to understand that the first level of victory is spiritual. Before the natural. You don't get into 2010 fighting physical battles until you have won the heavenly one. If this year is going to be a breakthrough year for you, don't just get into battle with your pen, with your laptop, with your computer, with your proposal, with your files, and with your contacts. You get into battle with the presence of God, the power of God, the proclamation of God, the praise of God, and then your pen and your files and your laptop follow after. That is the Jericho strategy. If you go by the work of the flesh, by your might, you will fall at Jericho. But if you go in the power of Jehovah, the walls will come down and your laptop can do the easy job. Of collecting the booty the battle formation the battle formation let's look at the battle formation 
This battle was very interesting and I'm taking time to set out these things because the passage I read took time to elaborate all these and God doesn't take time to write things for entertainment. He wants us to understand that there is a deliberate reason why things are done that way. At the vanguard, the leading of the army of this procession of the march there is what the bible calls the armed men the armed men they take the lead the first and after the armed men there are priests blowing trumpets and after the priests blowing the trumpet there is the ark of the covenant and after the ark of the covenant there are armed men I hope you see how the formation is. There are soldiers in front, priests in the middle, and the priests are seven. Just seven, not the whole priesthood. Seven. With seven trumpets blowing. Then there is the Ark of the Covenant, normally that is carried by four priests on their shoulders. So four priests plus seven, that's eleven. Behind them, armed men so the impression you get is that God is protecting the priests who are blowing the trumpet and the ark of the covenant so the whole idea of this procession is so that the priest and the ark of the covenant can go round Jericho not the armed men it is not the armed men who are supposed to go around. It is the priests and the Ark of the Covenant. But if the priests and the Ark of the Covenant alone go, they will be exposed to attack from inside Jericho. So the armed men are acting as bodyguards so that the priests with the trumpet and the Ark of the Covenant can go around Jericho. That's what is happening. As they are going, the priests are the only ones making a noise. They are the only ones. Everybody is quiet. No noise. You don't clear your throat. You don't crack a joke. You don't say hallelujah. Hey, amen. Oh, nothing. And they're playing, blowing their trumpet. Boom. Boom. And the people are marching quietly. If you were in Jericho and you looked on, you would wonder, what is going on? They are not attacking. Because normally in those days when you go into battle, you, you raise a shout. Yeah! And you get into battle. But they are not shouting. So it, it doesn't look like they've come to fight. And the men of war are not making noise. And you look down and in between the vanguard and the rear guard, there are these 11 people who are being protected by this army. One of them, four of them are carrying a box. You don't know what the box is, but they are carrying a box. And seven of them are blowing the trumpet. And everybody is quiet moving this thing along. The Bible says they circled the city once the first day and came to sit down 
When you read the verse 11, the verse 11 says, verse 11 says, so he had, that's the New King James Version, so he had the ark of the Lord circle the city. So you get the impression, it's not the military which is supposed to circle the city, it's supposed to be the ark of the Lord circling the city. But, the impression you get here is that they made the ark of the Lord circle the city. However, there are other versions which indicate that actually they were not the ones making the ark of the Lord circle the city. The ark of the Lord itself was circling the city. Because the verb that was used in the original Hebrew is not a verb to mean that they were causing it, but the ark itself was moving. So, in other words, the priests hold the ark of the covenant and they feel the ark moving, so they move to follow the ark. You get what is happening? So, why? Because the ark must go around the city. It's the ark that is doing the circling, not the people. The people are just there to pro protect the ark. So, the ark is going and the priests are going and they go round, 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 round. The ark stops and they stop. And go and rest. And they do that the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. So, why was that happening? You are going to battle. Why should you circle the city? For you to have an idea of why it was necessary, you have to go to the beginning to Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Something happened in Genesis chapter 1 which is being replicated in Joshua chapter 6. Genesis chapter 1 we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We all know. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So, in the beginning we are shown a picture. There is a problem. The earth is without form, void. Darkness is upon the face of the deep. And that problem needs to be corrected order must come but nothing is happening now we were not there so nobody was observing this only God showed us by revelation what happened but if you had chanced to be there you'd be perplexed there is chaos there is darkness there is problem without form without void and all that is happening is the spirit of God is settling circling over the earth quietly no noise just quietly quietly circling and then the bible says then god said in other words god only speaks the word of power after the spirit has first circled are you following that now when you read the account in Genesis, it uses the word in my New King James Version, the word is 
hovering, hovering. What does it mean to hover? It means five things. The Spirit of God, it means three things, sorry, was hovering over the face of the deep. It means to fly above a domain. To fly above a domain. The picture is the picture of an eagle which is in the sky and surveying a territory it controls. Fly above a domain, a place you control. It means that you are exercising oversight or superintendence over a territory. The territory you hover over, you have dominion over. So in the beginning, when the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters, it is expressing dominion over that situation that is formless and void. As the priests carried the ark and as the ark circled the city of Jericho, the Spirit of God is taking dominion over that city. The second word that means hover means to gently move and shake. Gently move and shake. It gives the idea of something that is moving you know, it's like when uh, uh, a helicopter or something is moving up on water and you see the water gently moving and shaking. That's hovering. Now, what that means is as the Spirit of God is moving, some things are taking place underneath. There is a shaking, but you can't see it. So actually, what was happening was for the six days... That the Spirit of God is moving around Jericho through the Ark of the Covenant. The foundations of the walls are shaking. The people there have no idea what is happening. But underneath there is a shaking. Almost like an earthquake. A rumbling. They can't see it. But everything is shaking. And it shakes the foundations of Jericho for six days. The third definition of hovering is to brood over as a mother hen broods over her eggs. It means that when it says the Spirit of God hovered, it is almost like a mother hen that's brooding over her eggs. Now, most of you uh, who lived in settings where you had chickens and years ago all of us had chickens in our home a hen lays eggs and the mother hen goes to cover the eggs normally it takes how many days 21 days isn't it three weeks the first day the egg is like that second day egg doesn't seem to have any improvement third day fourth day fifth day 21 days, even after 21 days when you look like at the egg, you wouldn't see anything. But if you wait a little bit on the 21st day, something is going to break through the shell of the egg and a new chick will be born. When the Spirit of God is moving in a place, he's incubating a miracle. He's incubating a miracle. So, 
God said to Joshua, I'm going to show you how a breakthrough takes place. It doesn't start with a shout. It doesn't start with making a noise. It doesn't start by going and just opening your mouth and boasting and, and talking big. It starts when you allow my spirit working through you to surround a city. So that I move around it, I hover around it. And as I hover, I give you dominion over that place. And not only do I give you dominion over the place, I shake the foundations of that place. And not only that, I incubate a miracle. But all of that takes place in six days. And in those six days, you would not see any evidence that anything is happening. The walls are as strong as they were, but the foundations have been shaking. The walls, the city belongs to Jericho and they have a king, but you have already taken dominion. The situation doesn't seem to have improved, but you have incubated a miracle. And you do that for six days. And one day, I will put all of that together and you would have a breakthrough. So, as they were marching around the city, they were not wasting time. They were shaking the foundations. God said to Abraham, he said to him once, he says, Abraham, the land you are circling around, you are walking over today, I will give it to your descendants. You are walking on it, it looks like nothing is happening. But as you walk around this place, I'm giving you dominion because you are hovering over the land and you are taking dominion over the land. There is spiritual warfare that gives us territory. You don't possess a territory the first day you see it. You don't take charge of a situation the first day the idea comes into your head. You have to circle around. You have to incubate. You have to brood. You have to hover. You have to go around it round and round and round and round. Physically, sometimes you have to do that. I remember when we bought this land. And uh, we were told we couldn't build on this land because it was in the marshy ground and uh, they told us about the history of this land, that there were gods here and this, whoever resides here. And so maybe we're in a, a, a god's door, you know, sitting room or whatever. And many times I would come upon this land and just walk upon the land, just walk here. Sometimes in the night, midnight, just walk here, walk here, walk here, walk here, walk here. Taking charge, taking dominion, taking authority, speaking buildings into manifestation, commanding crowds to fill this place, just hovering over the land, just marching around the land. Now, you didn't see it, and you don't need to see it, because those are the silent days before the breakthrough. Those are the things you do in the background 
before there is a manifestation. You don't go into the public square to make a declaration when you have not privately, personally, quietly, silently taken charge over the situation. Because many of us, all we know how to do is anytime we, something happens, we go into battle and then we get knocked down. But God is telling them, don't shout into this battle. Wait. Circle around. Circle around. This year, maybe for the first three months, all you need to do is circle around. Don't rush. It's a one year. It's your breakthrough year. But you have to do some matching for six days. So maybe January you are matching. And February you do some matching. And, and, and March you do some matching. And in and, and April you do some matching. And May you do some matching. And June is the sixth month. Then July. You do seven times matching. And in July. At the end of the match. You lift up a voice of triumph. And you begin to see the walls crumbling. Now, if somebody was watching and you ask the person, how did the walls come down? They say, oh, they shouted and the walls came. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. They marched six days ahead of time, shook the foundations, took dominion, incubated a miracle, and the seventh day was the show time. The seventh day was only the time when what has been incubated for six days begin to be manifested. If you avoid the six days and you only do the seventh day, there's no miracle. The six days are important. The days of quietness, the days of silence, the days of hovering, the days of brooding, the days of meditation, the days of planning, the days of thinking, the days of prayer. You have to invest prayer equity into an idea before it becomes a reality. You don't just go get an idea, go to your computer, type out a business plan and say, oh, this one will win. There are people you are dealing with. They are not born again like you. They have consultants who are not human resource consultants. Neither are they banking consultants, but they are spiritual armamental consultants. They have consultants. They talk to people. They have amulets along around their waist. Some of them spiritually have been given dominion over industries you want to penetrate. Now you go and don't match and go with your laptop. You go there and say, well, you know, it, it, it will happen, it will happen, it will happen. It won't happen. Because you are dealing with Jericho here. It is a world city. People have created territories. They have built their walls. They are preventing you from entering. So you have the idea. It's good you have a good business idea. It's good you have a nice idea. It's good you want to marry. It's good you want to do all those things. Have you invested prayer equity into it? Oh, you just got up and went. When you have that idea, write it down. Put it before God. Present it to heaven. Let heaven speak 
into the idea. Breathe life every morning, every afternoon, every evening. Pray, speak in the spirit, pray in the spirit, speak in tongues, prophesy, command the goodness of God. Think about it. Let God work on your mind. Let God work on your ideas. Let God expand the scope of your concepts. And let that happen until the idea has taken deep root inside you. And there will be another day when God will tell you, now it's time to shout. Now it's time to shout. And he said to them on the seventh day, he said, shout for the Lord has given you the city. It means on the seventh day when they shouted, the city had already been given. Six days ahead, they had taken the city. This year is going to be a spiritual warfare year. I'll say it again. This year is a spiritual warfare year. You are not going to march because you are cute. You are going to march because you are carrying the ark of the covenant, the presence and power of God. And you are going to go quietly. Some of you need to go and march around some property, some land, some shops. Some of you need to go around some places and begin to just go around it and allow God to exercise dominion on your behalf. And don't rush into proclamation. Wait until you have fully incubated the situation. And then a declaration is made. And when that happens, the walls will come down. Breakthroughs normally appear sudden, but they are not sudden. What we call sudden is a shout. But before that, there is a circling, there is the hovering. To have your breakthrough, you have to define your domain. You have to shake the system and you have to incubate a breakthrough. You have to define the domain. And that's what they were doing. As they went around, they are defining the scope. This is the land we are taking. This is the land we are taking. This is the land. They are hovering. They are establishing dominion. They are defining scope. And they didn't do 10 matches at a day to wear themselves out. Just enough for the day. But define your scope. You set your goals, define your scope. And march around it. Breakthroughs occur after cycles of consistent pressure. Cycles of consistent pressure. He said, the Bible says they made the ark circle. The ark was doing the circling. Circle the land. The, the, the city. Six times. A circle is a complete system. Something that is done, that is ended. You start it, you end. And every day they set up an objective, they start and they end. What does that mean? It simply means to have a breakthrough, you must be able to set an objective, start it and finish it. Start it 
and finish it. If you say, for me to be able to take the city, I need to be able to do this. And you start what you are doing, finish it. That's one cycle. One cycle will not bring down the wall. But you need to finish one cycle before you finish the second cycle, before you finish the third and the fifth and the sixth. The problem is, many of us move in semicircles, not in complete circles. So there are a lot of unfinished ideas, unfinished agendas, unfinished proposals. So many things we said we'll do, we haven't done them. And so our lives, there is no day when we have circled the city even once. It's semicircles all through. You can't give a shout for anything to happen. Start and finish. If you say this year I'm going to do this, start and finish. If you say this month I'm going to do that, start and finish. I need to register my business, start and finish. I need to write the letter to that person, start and finish. I need to go and sit and negotiate, start and finish. Because when you start the circle, you must finish the circle. That's what they did for six days. Because it is those circles that are finished that put pressure for the walls to come down. It's like a person who is cutting down a tree. He takes his axe, he hits the tree at the base, one, boom. Has the, wall, has the tree come down? No. Has the man done something? Yes. Has it produced any result? No. He hits again. Has the tree come down? No. Has he hit something? Yes. Is it producing result? No. But he hits again. And 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 one day he takes the axe and he hits. And this hit, this one hit, he hits and you hear a shout. Crap, 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 down. Now if you saw him, you would think he cut the tree with one swing. No, there were a thousand swings before. And if those thousand swings do not come, this one swing is useless. Many of us want one big swing. One big breakthrough to solve all the problems. I have good news for you. It will not happen. You want to be a millionaire? Start saving City after city after city after city after city after city. And one city you put on top will make you a millionaire. But you don't wait and say, I'm waiting for the day God gives me a million. No, there's going to be days of silence, of hovering around, of going around and carrying the presence of God. And people laughing at you and people mocking at you and people telling you are achieving nothing. You're wasting your time, but you stick at it. You complete the circle. 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 And then the seventh day, there is a shout. And the walls come down. If you are waiting for a ready, fully cooked miracle to drop on your laps this year, I have bad news for you.
It's a breakthrough year. It was a breakthrough for Joshua. But it wasn't a one day breakthrough. It started with six days of silence. Circling an objective. Incubating an idea. Shaking the system. And then one day of accelerated activity and a shout and things happen. We saw it in Genesis. The spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. We don't know how long because at that time day and night had not started. So maybe it had been doing it for millions of years. Maybe that had been happening. The earth is without form and all the spirit of God is doing is moving over the face of the waters. I don't know for how long we're not told. It could be a year, a day, it could be a thousand years, it could be a million years. But the Spirit of God is moving. And I like how the verse 3 says, then, then, it's a period in time. Then, not before, then, after the hovering, then, God said. Remember he said to Joshua, don't utter a word after the hovering. Then, God said, let the be light and there was light now you can go and, and say wow that was great i'm also going to say let there be light and there will be light no have you done the hovering have you circled round have you gone round have you invested sweat equity not just prayer equity but sweat have you sweated have you agonized have you labored have you, have you prayed through your frustration, your fears, your anxieties? Or you're just taking off and hoping that things will fall. No, things don't just fall. A breakthrough happens after cycles of pressure. That's when the tipping point for a breakthrough occur. Finally, a breakthrough moment is a moment of synchronized action. Everybody says synchronized action. Joshua says to them, on the seventh day, we march in seven times. So they go one, two, three, four, five, six. If they were like some of us, the seventh march before we finish, we'll be shouting, whoo, ha, hey, hallelujah, yeah. Because many of us declare victory when victory is not ready to be declared. But they go through and finish the seventh march on the seventh day. And the moment they finish, he signals to the priest, it's time. And they blow the trumpet. The Bible says a long blast continuous blast and then he tells the people now shout the shout of the people had to synchronize with the blast of the priest the spiritual and the natural coming together the armed men are doing the shouting the priests are blowing the trumpet the two come together and i believe i believe that in the case of jericho there was an earthquake I believe that's what happened. I believe God used an earthquake and that earthquake because of what had happened for six days and the sound of that day 
it was so strong it brought the wall down flat and listen look at how the bible describes it, it says and the wall fell flat it could have said and the walls fell or the walls collapsed but it it describes the kind of falling according to some bible theologians the walls of jericho fell almost like a hydraulic pressure pushed it down it just went because the next verse the bible says and everyone went straight normally the bible would have said and they went up or they went over but it says they went straight so there was nothing to obstruct them the wall was totally gone everyone went straight to take what God had given to him and I like that because at that time some people can run into other people's zone other people's lane the Bible says everyone run straight what God has given you that's what you pursue you don't see somebody pursuing something and say wow it's nice I wish I would also do that no that's not what you wanted to do from the beginning you run straight ahead of you and take your Jericho in this season you have a season of silent marching don't be discouraged don't be frustrated complete the cycle complete the cycle and you will hear a signal in your spirit when you have finished all the cycles and god will now tell you it's time make your move and when you do there will be no obstruction there will be no army that can fight you there will be no monopoly that can resist you. You will take cities, you take companies, you take enterprises, you take territories, and you will bring them under the dominion of God. Remember, the booty you take in a breakthrough doesn't belong to you. That's another message altogether. God does not give you a breakthrough so you'll be rich. That's what Achan didn't understand. And it got everybody into trouble. He gives you a breakthrough if it's divine it's because he wants to put something in your hand that you can also put into his work and he told them you have to understand what you're going to get is not yours it's for me and if you dedicate the first one to me the rest i give to you perpetually all that Achan should have done was to be patient because i the instruction changed God says now you can take everything and from then on they could take everything the only time that the breakthrough booty was for God was the first one the first fruit the first harvest always belongs to God may God give you your breakthrough in this year as you circle your city may you possess your inheritance amen thank you for making time to listen to living word to correspond with Dr. Mensah Autoville, please write to Living Word, International Central Gospel Church, P.O. Box 7933, Accra, Ghana. Telephone 233 6880 Fax 233-21-688-007. Email autoville at for further information on other messages by Dr. Mensa Otterville, please email tapes at centralgospel.com and visit www.centralgospel.com.